hello. Welcome to the Hump Podcast. This is Garrett and Micah, and Christian is not with us today. We are feeling his absence um, as we look over at the chair that he normally sits in. Um, he has got a lot on his plate. He has something this weekend. I can't remember what He's it is. He's got a retreat with a retreat students. Retreat this yeah. weekend with the students, yeah. So, so we're going to continue on this discussion thread that we've been doing. Um, we're actually closing that out this week, and we're talking about salvation. And uh, you'll have to pardon me, because... I'm eating while we're talking about this, so <laughs> there might be little breaks in the, Classic. In, in the conversation. Um, but we're, we're going to be talking about salvation, and we're specifically going to be looking at salvation through the lens of Jonah, and also through the parable of Lazarus and the rich man that is found in Luke 19. Um, so first, what is salvation? Um, s- salvation has it actually has its own... Theological study. I don't know if you knew that, Micah, but mm. soteriology. Um, I don't know anything, really. That's pretty much my default. Well, sotir is the Greek word for salvation or for saving, to save someone, and um, ology is the study of, so it just means the study of salvation. <laughs> kind of so basic. zoology, the study of zoos? Study of animals. Oh, well, close enough. Zoos make up animals. Yeah, but, that's, yeah there you go. Close. Anyway, um, so it, the basis of soteriology is just the, in Christianity, it's the study of how we are saved through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so it's kind of, in, in that study, you're looking at all the implications that are present within that. And so really what we've been talking about here throughout this discussion thread um, brings to light everything within soteriology. Um, I'm trying to look back now at, at our notes at what we've done. Um, in this series, we've, we've talked about repentance, about sin, redemption, sanctification, atonement, holiness, propitiation, all of those things really tie into the overall theme of soteriology. Um, If you were studying that, you would study in some form or another each aspect of, of what we've talked about. And so salvation then is the umbrella that all of these other things that we've been talking about fall under. Um, And the ultimate need for all these other things falls under the need for us to find someone to bring us salvation since we're incapable of doing it ourselves. Mm, mm. Soteriology. So speaking of big words, um, it's now time for our segment. Does Garrett know what this means? Are you ready? Yeah. I all guess. Right, so here is the word slash phrase. It's kind of two-sided. Uh, and I'm going to start with the first part of it, and then I'll, the second one will be kind of a hint, all right? Uh, and so give some people at home a chance to see if they know what it means as well. But <clears throat> the word is, it's one word, cap. Like like capital letter? Like C- C-A-P, cap. Like a baseball cap? It's that word, yeah. So do you know what that means in Gen Z language? The top of something? <laughs> nope. All right. So I'll give you a secondary hint. Also, it would be this would be the opposite, but no cap. 
the bottom of something. <laughs> All right, so I'll give. I'll use it. I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. I did all my homework by myself. No cap. <laughs> this is pretty good. I wish Christian was here for this. Um, I don't. Um, <clears throat> shooting someone. What? No. I don't know. Like you. I, uh, what? Um, That's like, like lying or telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So cap so is no lie. Cap is a lie. No cap is. So like, if you're like, I can dunk, I would be like cap lie yeah because like you can't dunk like that's a cat i don't know why or where it came from but that's what it means and no cap means no lie so like fuzz like no like seriously i did all my homework myself no cap like legit <laughs> why would so, you say i'm not lying why why no cap we i don't know man uh we predicted that know, that was predicted understand. in scripture let your yes be yes and your no be no <laughs> we then we're always gonna have the it's like the it's like the the version of like when we were kids that we used to swear you know i swear like, you know, like, oh, I, sw- I swear I did that, you know? that's Now it's the they same. say, no cap, I did that? Well, I mean, it, well, you wouldn't say it like that. It would be probably used as, like, the end. Like, no, I did that, no cap. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. There is your, uh, does Garrett know what this means? And he did not know what that meant. You did figure it out, though, but you didn't know what it meant prior to that. I like that you went from shooting someone to lie and no lie. Well, my thought process I, was. Yeah, I know exactly you- what your thought process was. <laughs> I, like you, then yeah. there well, used to be a saying where you cap someone. That means you shoot someone. I, I don't know, probably, but but then I realized what you were saying. No cap, yeah, it almost like, sounds like no lie. Yeah, no lie. So yeah, uh, for those of you at home, I didn't. It's know amazing that. how how languages take them. Yeah, like, uh, it's amazing that I feel like I had a pretty good grasp of it even like a year ago, and now I'm like ah, <laughs> like I they. Have no idea. I've got more. I need to write them down. Um, but I probably won't know any of and them. It, you know, you won't know. The, I can guarantee you the last the couple that I've got in my head, you won't know because they're they're kind of newer, and I just kind of have learned what they are. So I I don't I would be shocked. I've heard if you that know. before. No cap and cap because I watched like a cool Carl video yeah. from Youth Ministry, but I had no idea what he was talking about when yeah. he said it. Well, there were, uh, something was said to me the other day from a student that I wasn't sure if it was appropriate or not. It is. I think I've learned, but I was not sure what that was so uh was a little nervous when i heard it i was like i don't know what that means and i'm afraid what is it well it'll be in the i'll go and say the word and then we'll talk bussin is the word what exactly so we'll come back to that in a few weeks uh maybe next week so you can look that up no that's not it so So it's not like you're driving um it really has nothing to do with what you i mean that's the crazy thing is these words have literally nothing to do i don't the only connection i can make with cap is it lies on your head like a hat that's the only thing i can that's the only connection that makes even remote and that's a stretch so um maybe uh if you young people out there are listening you can let us know what the reason for that is i'd, I'd say many don't really know what the reason is they just know that that's what's what you say but so no Linguist, salvation in in 300 years are going to have a field day with how language yeah, with this language has yeah. changed between 2015 pretty much and our generation to the ones that are like just like early teenagers now like the last like the next 12 to 15 years yeah it's pretty crazy so uh you know no cap salvation is important um (laughs) and really it translates into our our discussion um i really can't wait to get a text from some of the people that often text me about the podcast and be like cap no cap like are you serious i'm like that is 100 percent a legitimate thing that that the that the youths say so um yeah it's good stuff um, 
don't so, even, I'm dumbfounded. You know, so Jonah, um, in the book of Jonah. Was swallowed by a big fish. Yeah, no cap. He got swallowed by a, a fishy. You know um, how. I will try to use cap and no cap throughout you know, this. You know how to say big fish in Hebrew? Um, whale. I don't know. Yeah. Dog gadol. Hmm. Well, so just there you go. If you ever uh, think of of a big fish of of the book of Jonah, it sounds like he was swallowed by a dog in Hebrew. Hmm. Dog oh, gadol, a doge, yeah. big yeah. dog. <laughs> um, cap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The well, um, <clears throat> the interesting thing about Jonah and how it ties into salvation, how it ties into so- soteriology. How many? Days and nights was Jonah in the big 47. fish. Not correct. Okay. <laughs> he, he was in there three days and three nights. And Jesus, during his ministry, mm. talks about the Son of Man, um, the, the sign of Jonah within the Son like, of Man. Must be like three is like a holy number or something. Well, it's a number of divinity. Yeah. But, I, I was kind of... Oh, okay. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three days in the... Tim. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, uh, so the yeah. fact that he was in there, kind of, it's it's a um, prelude or a, um, I guess uh, type is that what they called him? Was typology, yeah. kind of archetype, or um, the word I'm looking for is like a foreshadow, prologue, foreshadowing of Jesus. Would mm. foreshadowing would be the better term? Of I complete salvation. your sentences. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> complete each other's <laughs> cat, cat, big big cat type thing. Um, so the, the powerful part about the book of Jonah is the response of Jonah, which is ironic because a lot of times when we read through the book of Jonah, we just, we stop after chapter three, we stop after Jonah, he preaches to Nineveh, um, and it, and then it says, so Jonah is, Jonah gets called by God to go to Nineveh. Jonah goes the opposite way. He gets thrown off. Why? Because he's, and, and that's the interesting part. Jonah isn't scared of Nineveh. He, he's not scared yeah. of the Ninevites. He's, well, they were they were a crazy people. They were a crazy and, people. And in the Veggie Tales, they are imagined <laughs> they as each other. slapping each other with fishes. Yeah. Uh, and that's how they represented evil in the Veggie Tales. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the reason Jonah was scared of going to Nineveh and he ran and went to Tarshish instead was because. One, he knew Nineveh didn't deserve mercy. Two, Nineveh didn't deserve mercy. Mm. There's there's reliefs which are like, um, they're they're like sculptures into a wall or into like a big piece of stone um, that aren't three D, and they're called a relief. Um, and there's reliefs of the Assyrian Empire which had its capital in Nineveh, and they were just beheading everyone. Mm. So, like, Ninevites were brutal people. They were yeah. awful people. They would murder and rape. It was worse than fish slapping. Way worse than fish slapping. Fish slapping. I love that that's how they're portrayed. It's awesome, though. Isn't it funny? <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, but th- they were horrible people. And, and the reason Jonah ran and didn't go to Nineveh had nothing to do with the fact that he was scared of them. I mean, he should have been because Assyria was brutal and they would have killed him. But the reason he ran is because he knew that these people didn't deserve mercy. Mm. They didn't deserve to be saved from God's wrath, but by God calling him to go there, he knew that God was going to do that, that God was going yeah. to relent from going, from putting disaster Read that. Bottom. Does yours have that subheading in chapter four to start chapter four? Um, does it have that sub, uh, does it have a subheading? Mine says... Jonah's anger? Yeah, mine says, mine says Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion, yeah. which kind of sums it up. Oh yeah, that's what it is. And, and so just to kind of 
go through the first three chapters, Jonah gets called to go to Nineveh. Jonah goes to the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. He gets thrown from the boat he's in, gets <laughs> swallowed up by a whale, and is in the whale for three days and three nights, foreshadowing Jesus in the b- belly of death for three days and three nights. He gets spit out. He literally gets vomited up onto yeah, shore. Yeah, say mine says vomited. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the actual Hebrew term. He gets vomited out that's awesome. onto shore. <clears throat> and then he goes and preaches to Nineveh. And at the end of chapter 3, which is after um, Jonah preaching think- to Nineveh, it says, God saw Nineveh's actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not bring that disaster. Do you think, uh, it says right there in uh, 3, right at the beginning of chapter 3, word of the Lord came to Jonah um, a second time. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and procla- proclaim it to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I imagine that like when you tell, like, like when my parents would tell me to like clean my room, and you're just kind of like, ugh, and like drag yourself, like drag your oh, feet. Oh, yeah. That's kind of how 100%. I imagine him going to Nineveh. The most sarcastic verse in all of, this, all of scriptures in Jonah chapter 4. Um, so what ends up happening is God relents from bringing disaster. And then like, it's kind of a side piece to this. Like, it, verse 10 happens at the same time as chapter 4, where it kind of says that God relents, but then it goes to chapter four where Jonah was displeased mm. and with everything, and he went up to sit above what was going on, above Nineveh, to watch the destruction. And it says that Jonah left the city, found a place east of it, made himself a shelter there, and sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. And then um, the Lord brought a plant and had it give shade to Jonah and provided for Jonah, and then he had a worm or a parasite come and eat this plant and devour this plant, and and it withered away, and and Jonah got mad about that. So first of all, he's mad that God didn't bring disaster on Nineveh. Now he's mad that this plant got taken away from him and he no longer had the shade. And then it said, God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And it's And Jonah says, yes, it is right. I'm angry enough to die. So Jonah... This this situation with the plant goes back to his anger with with God relenting to bring disaster mm. from Nineveh. But the thing is, Jonah knew this was going to happen because it says in um, and this is the most sarcastic part of the Bible. In in the beginning of chapter four, it says Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious that God didn't immediately bring disaster. It says he prayed to the Lord, "Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarshish in the first place. I knew you're a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in faithful love." And one who relents on sending disaster. Now, Lord, just take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Sounds like he's like fourteen. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's being so like sarcastic. That's what. That's the most sarcastic passage in all of Scripture. He's looking at the attributes of God. He's recalling them to God, and he's saying, basically. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to save them. They don't deserve to be saved. They're slapping each other with fish. You know, they're True. cutting, they're cutting no, heads off and pillaging and raping. No cap. Yeah. No cap. <laughs> And yet I knew you were going to save them because you're an abound you're a god abounding in love. You're gracious and compassionate. You're slow to anger and you relent from sending disaster. So I knew this was going to happen. And and it's just kind of indicative of it's it's indicative of how we perceive after we've been saved the salvation of others. 
Because it's amazing how we can, after we've been saved, look at someone else's filth right. and say, man, they can't be saved. Yeah, But then for sure. we so quickly forget our filth yeah. that we were saved from. Yeah, and I think we're even, even our, it seems like when we get saved, and this isn't everyone, obviously, but we are, you know, are, we're still sinful. And, and we still, you know, kind of have, like you said, um, what what we call the big head, right? Kind of cocky, kind of like, yeah, I know it all. You know, I'm saved. I've got the truth. You all are evil because you're not, but I am. And we, we um, seems like pride becomes more of a, a prevalent uh, a thing when you, when we become saved because, like you said, we kind of look at others like, well, you know, and maybe even if it's not a, you know, you're a sinner, I'm saved, it's a, I wasn't as bad as that guy was. You know, we measure up, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I sin, but, like, my sins are, like, you know, sometimes I, like, say a bad word or, like, you know, sometimes I, like, make fun of someone a little too much. I'm not, like, stabbing people, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think we look at that. We we look at sin. Um, we level it out. Yeah, and, and we level out amongst each other. Um, you know, well, I didn't rob that TV from Walmart. I just took the gum from the the uh, gas station. So that's not near as bad as what you did. You know, we look at it in sense of like maybe even in the sense of our American law or our country's laws, like or state laws. Well, they they are going to get a bigger punishment. That means it's a bigger sin or it's worse. And well, God, even more so today because of individualism, we tie everything into how badly you hurt someone else. So if you hurt someone else really badly, that's a bad sin. Right. If you're only doing something to yourself, mm, and between yourself and God, and that's not so bad. Yeah. And so true. we look at what someone else has done to someone else, and we say, yeah, they can't be forgiven for that. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, you know, God forgive the Ninevites. And he yeah. relented from sending disaster and upon I, them. And I think the, the truth here is that we, our job is not to say who gets salvation. <laughs> that's yeah. not our place to say. Our place is to be... You know, like, I mean, to do what Jonah did, uh, hopefully hopefully with a better attitude, but to go what we're called uh, mm-hmm. and do what we're told to do by, by God and do what we're told to do by Scripture, do it faithfully with love, and then the rest is not up to us. Who gets salvation is not up to us. Who um, who, who gets mercy, you know, it talks about yeah. that in Romans 9. It talks about, you know, God is the God who's going to... He gives the mercy. Um, we don't give it. Um, and... He gives the salvation. We don't give it. So it's important to, to recognize that one, as we see here, salvation is for everyone. There's no one that is out. There is no one that is. It is impossible to receive salvation. It is There's for no everyone. one where it's intentionally impossible. Right. That's like, yeah, everyone has yeah. the possibility. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. It, salvation is for anyone and everyone that chooses to receive it. Uh, and as we see here, Jonah's got that attitude of like, well, it's not fair. I've lived a life where I followed you, and now you're going to give them salvation. Although they hate and kill and do all these evil things, uh, and that's where us as a people we can we can probably relate to that, you know, like you like we've just said is we oh, yeah. judge well, other people. How much, we want to condemn other people. Yeah, think about how much the church as a whole has closed throughout history its doors because well we don't want to let the world in. Mm. When at the same time, and I get that you want to, we want to safeguard and we want to make sure we're continuing to grow spiritually. I think that's. Right the primary directive of the church, but then the very close secondary directive is, well, we need to reach the lost. Yeah. We need to bring salvation Absolutely. to all. And so we do that through growing in the spirit. Bring, yeah, bring in the information of salvation, yeah, the 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 way to it, mm-hmm. you know, through Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life. And so yeah, the, the very imagery practical. 
the imagery here is amazing that here is this guy who was in the belly of a of a big fish who was metaphorically in death for three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. There's some scholars that will actually say that this isn't just metaphor that Jonah died and came back to life and then went and preached huh. the go- preached the gospel. I don't necessarily think that, but the the imagery is incredible. Um, and, and the the parallelism and the um, the the foreshadowing and how he died or he was away for three days and three nights he came back came back and delivered a message of salvation to a completely undeserving people mm. yeah and then all that ties into what we've been talking about and discussing here lately you know through that salvation the the way the process of inheriting that salvation after hearing it is we repent from our sin we realize that we have to atone for those sins that we have to do something to give something in replace of what we need to be saved and and so for the Ninevites what they ended up doing is they they put on sackcloth they they mourned they wept they they fasted and and they did all of these things they offered sacrifices quite likely it's not necessarily explicit in the text that they did but they went through all this process of atonement for their sins and then through that atonement they were saved mm. that, that's where the salvation comes in now the step after that is is the sanctification and we can honestly say that the sanctification part of of the Ninevites salvation didn't stick because it wouldn't have been probably 60 years past this that they were destroyed by Babylon, that Mm. that Nineveh was destroyed. God relented from bringing disaster here because the Ninevites repented from their sin. They atoned for their sin. But there wasn't the perfect propitiation for their sin in the form of Jesus, and they didn't go through the process of sanctification on the outside of that salvation, and so it didn't stick. Mm. Um, And... You know that that's also a message to us is that salvation is a process. It has a a an order to it where we come with our sin, we repent from our sin, we atone for our sin through Jesus, through the propitiation provided by Him, and that's when we're saved. And then we go into the process of sanctification, and that's what the process for everyone that's a believer in Christ. That's a continual process that can goes on until we die. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're all on right now. Mm. Yeah, that really uh, brings us to uh, the book of Luke, uh, in chapter 16, uh, verses 19 and following. Uh, and I'll read it, and then we'll discuss it for the last few minutes here. Um, there was a rich man who was dressed, and this is Jesus talking, by the way. Uh, There's a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was tormented, uh, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham. Have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you 
are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Hmm. Yeah. Um, really interesting. Uh, you know, you read that, it's pretty blunt. <laughs> like well, you know what's really interesting to me is the ending of that, and I've not really ever thought of this before. <clears throat> Where he says, you know, the, this rich man's like, well, mm. uh, you know, I, I don't know that the Moses and prophets are going to be enough for them. Yeah. And then Jesus says, through Abraham, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Yeah. And so what Jesus is saying there is, yeah, you know, I'm about to rise from the dead. I'm about to die and, and resurrect yeah. on the behalf of all of humanity. But if they're unwilling to even believe in Scripture... And they're not going to believe that, that believe in me and yeah. what I have to say and what I am bringing. Um, so there's a couple things to take on the terms of salvation within this narrative here. The first is the obligation that we have as believers to bring others to salvation. I mean, th- l- listen to the agony in the voice of the rich man as he's just, you know, let let the let Lazarus come to me and just dip his finger in water and place on my tongue. I mean, he's in agony in this. Uh, and, and and he's pleading, pleading with with Abraham, let me go to my, my family so that they don't have to be in this. And, and that comes to our obligation as Christians to ensure that we're talking to others and, and evangelizing and spreading the gospel um, so that they don't have to go through that separation from God for all of eternity. The second big thing is the role reversal here. It the rich man is described as being someone who wore purple, who was clothed in riches. Mm. Um, that really denotes a roller, someone that's that's great and mighty and powerful, and yet who is it that in eternity is great and mighty and powerful? It's Lazarus. Lazarus in comparison to the rich man. Mm. There's this obvious reversal that takes place simply because Lazarus had humbled himself mm-hmm. and said, I can't do this on my own. Um, and that, that, I mean, that's a, a really key element in our understanding of salvation. Um, and then lastly is what we talked about before with the scriptures, um, that we had, there has to be a level of trust in knowing that what Jesus what has been spoken about Jesus through scriptures, what Jesus exemplified to us in history, needs to bring us into the process of salvation. It needs to bring us into admitting our sin, repenting from our sin, atoning for our sin through his accepting his sacrifice of propitiation mm-hmm. for our sin, and then sanctifying ourselves as we go through that salvation process. Yeah, and you, you even see a little bit of the, you know, first shall be last and last shall be first here. Um, you see a, another a lot teaching. more than a little bit. Yeah, yes. well, I mean, yeah. you, you get to see that, that it, really the example of that teaching. Oh, this yeah. is like a this is like a people example. Like, you know, last shall be first, first shall be, shall be last. Also, 
rich man and Lazarus. Like, this is it. Rich man lived for himself, and he got nothing in eternity. He got the opposite. He got condemnation. Um, Lazarus, you know, had no choice, but you know, he, he, he couldn't live for himself. He had nothing to really live for in that sense as far as selfishly, and he was rewarded for the pain and suffering that he committed on this earth. And throughout throughout Scripture, we see that as like a common element. Um, you know, if you... Uh, are all about self on this world, or if you basically the description is if if you have a easy life, an enjoyable life, uh, you know it, it's uh, kind of a um, rich imagery. Uh, but if you have an easy life here, you're gonna have a hard life in eternity, and vice versa. If you're punished here, you live a life of um, following Jesus to where you're you know maybe physically, mentally, emotionally tortured in a sense. You're gonna be rewarded for eternity in heaven because of that. Uh, and so there's that running theme throughout scripture and here's like a very specific example where you know Abraham's like you had it all you had it made then yeah. now now you're going to be now you're punished for it uh, and he's you know said even well at least I like the uh, description of relief too just dip his finger in water and just touch it to my tongue so I can get some relief uh, and it just goes to show you the the agony in the story that the rich man was described in, as being um and uh, then goes on, obviously, to, to say, like, well, just at least tell my family so they're not suffering the same torment. And I love, I love that idea. And then the response, like you said, of Abraham, where it's like, if they don't, like, they've got Moses and the prophets. If they can't understand them, as Jesus says through Abraham, then they're definitely not going to understand someone raising from the dead. Uh, and like you said, it's so, that's so deep um, on so many levels. And, man, Jesus, what a fantastic storyteller. Oh, yeah. Um just of his, the genius behind it. I mean, his stories and parables were so deep and had so many levels. Uh, and that and it, 2,000 years later, we're still breaking those yeah. down and still figuring mm-hmm. out truths. And there was this, to the public, unlearned man. You know, he's just a carpenter yeah. that just had this wealth of knowledge through the Spirit. Yeah. I think another, based off, off jumping off what you're saying there... <clears throat> With the reward part, um, if we take what is said here in the soteriological story of Lazarus and the rich man and apply it to Jonah, mm. you know, Jonah sat there and witnessed people who he didn't think deserved eternity. Yeah. I mean, um, analogically, gain eternity. I yeah. Mean, it, they didn't. They were saved in the same way that we're saved. Um, I don't know that I would say the Assyrian Empire was yeah. saved for eternity. I, I wouldn't say that. But here is Jonah watching someone get what he didn't think they deserved. Yeah. So what did Jonah get? You know, here's this prophet, this great man of God, this guy that that literally at this time he was a paid prophet. Um, there's other references to him and other in other books of the Bible where he's a prophet for the king. You know, mm. he kind of has that, that um, he gets paid to be a prophet. And so what's his reward? You know, he is angry at God for relenting. He's angry at God for saving these people. He, in he, Jonah's account, Jonah is the rich man. Yeah. He's the rich man that looks down at Lazarus. He, he looks down at the Assyrians. He says they're too far from being saved. And in the context that Jesus is telling his story here, people looked at beggars and rich people and those that had illnesses and soreness and disabilities as those who God's wrath 
has already come upon. Yeah. That they're incapable of being saved because if their bodies are broken already, then there's no way their souls can be healed. Mm. That was the way that people viewed um, the lowest. And so the same way that that um, the rich man viewed Lazarus, that's how Jonah viewed the Assyrians, that they were beyond salvation, and yet in both cases, who was it that got saved? Yeah. The Assyrians were saved, and Jonah was the one that was left in the hot sand because he... <clears throat> Um, was in disbelief of God's character, and Lazarus was saved, the man that had nothing in life, and the rich man was the one that was sent away from God for all eternity. And just to kind of close with the end of Jonah, uh, because it's just, it's a good reminder. Uh, It's pretty pretty cut and dry here. But the Lord said, of course, this is after Jonah is angry, and he said, I'm angry enough to die because of the vine and the, the worm that or parasite that ate it. And uh, <clears throat> Jonah's mad about it. So here's the Lord's response. You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Uh, and this really goes to show you the character of God in the sense of that we can't really understand because to us and to Jonah, they don't deserve it. But God's saying... You didn't create them. These are my people, too. Like, these are people that I love. I created them, and I want them to be with me for eternity. And I think the same thing... Even more so, he's saying to Jonah, you deserve to be saved as little as they deserve. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that truth goes and extends for us today to people that we look down on, to people that we judge, people that we... You know, there's a lot of evil in our world right now. It's really prevalent, uh, and I think... We as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be the ones looking towards mercy. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in the legal sense, but in the sense of we should be looking at people in, with the eyes, no matter what they've done, that God still loves them. And that's extremely difficult because we're mm-hmm. blinded by the world and by what other people say mm-hmm. and what we believe here in you know in our countries. And I don't mean necessarily specifically America, but it, we're yeah. nationalistic in the sense of what, what our rules say is what we believe. Um, but that's how we apply the truth of salvation into our everyday yeah. lives. You know, yeah. we've, we've unpacked salvation through this discussion thread of repentance, sin, atonement, propitiation, sanctification. Right. We've unpacked salvation. But how do we apply salvation? We yeah. apply salvation by looking at others through the lens that Absolutely. God wants to save them the mm-hmm. same way he saved us. Um, that That's how... Uh, it's applied and and through that lens that we look at people we should love them and desire for them to be saved even knowing that maybe they were dirtier than we are but in god's eyes dirt is dirt dirt and is dirt that's what you know that's, good way that, to put that's it. the application that i think we need to take and we all life. are dirty and need the cleanliness of the savior no cap no, hey, no cat here today. Well done, Garrett. What do you use it in a sentence? Um, yeah, so it's not a sentence. No cap is a sentence. Okay, it is in the Gen Z world, so it counts. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for being a part of this today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Even though Christian wasn't here, we missed him today. Um, I think he would have got a kick out of the cap and no cap. Um, so hopefully he listens to this one and then he uh, hits us up about. Um, what that's like we'll get his reaction maybe next week about that uh, um, live on air about what he thought about that so 
Um, yeah, so we are uh, thankful that you are listening in. Uh, episode 45, Garrett. We're almost halfway to a century. Yeah, we missed last week. Um, we were all busy last yeah. week. It wasn't just Yeah, Christian No, it was just Christian. We can just blame Christian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we're uh, happy that you listen. Uh, Hope that you'll give us a review on Apple or on Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, If somehow you hear this through someone else or through a different way that you're not used to, if there's another way that you get your podcast, let us know. and We can probably make that work to where you get them on the podcast um, avenue that you enjoy the most. So give us a review. Uh, It'll be an early Christmas present uh, in April. Uh, And we are um, glad that you were able to listen in and hopefully learn a little more about soteriology. A salvation. No cap. The All study right. of salvation. Well, I mean, yeah, but uh, anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to pray us out and let Garrett stop talking. Here we go. Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We, uh, we thank you for your example that you set on earth, uh, your example that, that you gave, and the uh, because of what you did, Lord, the ability to have uh, salvation offered to every single person um, that will ever live. And that ever has lived. And we are so thankful for that truth. God, help us to live um, with that truth at the forefront of our hearts and minds so that everything we, we do is centered around that, that truth. God, help us to look at people <clears throat> with the lens uh, that, that you look at them, God. Help us to see them how you see them and that they are your creation, that they are loved, that they are valued in the kingdom. Uh, we just pray that you would send us to those people uh, who don't know that truth, God, and that you would use us uh, to show them that truth. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all your many blessings. In your name we pray. Amen.